Hi, my friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so glad that you are here. We know you have a lot of options of things to watch and listen to, and we just thank you so much for spending your time here with us today. Catherine Whitaker is with me, and we have a blast. We have a bunch of great conversations. Uh, we started the show off by talking about slumps, uh, especially in sports and in faith, how to break them. Uh, and what we might learn about our faith from uh, what we know about bringing slumps in sports. And then uh, we make Catherine play the alphabet game for the first time. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for the last few months, we know that, that we've played this a couple of times. Essentially, this is a trend that's been going on. Uh, it's probably dead now, but we, we still like it. Uh, but essentially, is we have a whole conversation uh, where every sentence has to start with the next letter in the alphabet, except the twist here is that we're trying to have conversations about faith, and it leads to um, some good conversations and some very ridiculous conversations and then finally we close the show by talking about uh i, I don't know much about Catherine's childhood so we, we shared some stories about uh how we are very similar people now as we were when we were kids and how we are very different people now than we were as kids it's a very fun conversation i hope that you enjoyed if you do enjoy today's show please hit subscribe wherever you're listening or if you're watching on youtube we really do appreciate it without further ado enjoy Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and that is Catherine Whitaker. Hello, Catherine. Howdy. It's nice to see you. People really, really enjoyed our last episode together, like last month's episode. You know, that's surprising because we both like sort of slumped into that episode. We're like, eh, we'll see what Jesus does. And then, so yeah, I was surprised that all that stuff came out of my mouth. <laughs> like, that was, it was really enjoyable. Fire. You were on fire. <laughs> it was good. It was fun. It's funny because like on the surface, like what everybody else saw, why everyone enjoyed it is because uh, you t you are kind of the lead of the episode. So like for once, I wasn't like leading an episode. You were kind of the content lead of the episode. Um, all of the all of the like reels, like the uh, highlights and stuff that we showed were primarily you. So I think it's just that people like you more than me, oh. which isn't a surprise. <laughs> but like, I feel like you finally, like you've been a co-host for like a, about half a year now, but I feel like you finally arrived because that's the, like everybody already kind of liked you more than me, but it's like, it became official, like official, official written in the, in the, in the, the uh, stats don't lie, yeah, right? Yeah, no. exactly. But like, <laughs> no. it, it was, it was funny because like just kind of the behind the scenes thing is like, typically like all of my co-hosts are busy people and they're like, I, I'll give you an hour a month but I'm not doing any work. I'm not doing any prep. I'm not doing any of this. And this this last episode was mostly your prepped segments. So I'm just saying the best episodes were when I didn't do any work and you were the star of the show. So. Um, I'm still going to let you do all the work because you do a really good job. I just, I mean, we'll notice it took me six months for that to happen. So yeah. you've been at this a lot longer than I have. So no, I really, I really enjoyed our last episode, but I enjoy them all, but I really enjoyed that one. It was good. So I was thinking, I was like, oh, well, uh, we talked a lot about parenting. We talked a lot about kids yeah. and it was all your, mostly your content. So how are we following that up? It's going to be about you. us as kids, mostly my content and the exact opposite of last episode. <laughs> I like that uh, though. The, the one thing that I said that people connected to everything else was, was, was all you is all about parenting and dropping your kids off at college. And there was just like a, 
it, it was cool. It was kind of like a like an older crowd like responded more. Typically, it's like when I say something ridiculous, typically people my age are the ones responding. But I, I had a lot of moms saying like, "Oh, this is this is really cool." Like I heard from a bunch That's of listeners awesome. that they're dropping their kids off. Either like a lot of them dropping their first kid off at college, and since you had, you were talking about dropping your third kid off, like they were like they appreciated you sharing your, your insight. The one thing that really connected with people from what I said was something that I didn't think was going to connect with anybody because I thought I was the only person in the world. But remember last time when I talked about my, my face doesn't wake up for at least an hour after my body does? Right. Yeah. Well, I here we are recording. I woke up less than an hour ago. My eyes still look like they're asleep. And a bunch of people were like, I felt this in the depths of my soul and I didn't know it was anybody else. So there's a few of us that feel the same way. And we found them because of last episode. Well, I have I have not been up since 525, but I have been up for a while. Um, I don't wake up until I take a shower. I always tell people, I used to tell my college roommates, don't talk to me until after I take a shower. Like I don't drink coffee. So some people are like, Hey, don't talk to me until I drink coffee. I need a shower. And then, then I can absolutely have a conversation with you. But until then, buena suerte, it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> so I hear you. Uh, so we talked a lot about parenting and our kids last episode. Now we're going to talk uh, for, for a lot of today's episode, we're going to talk about us as kids. I realized as we were talking that I know you as an adult, we've known each other for like six, seven years now, and I've known you as whatever age you were six, seven years ago to the age that you are now. I don't know much about you as a kid, um, but I I want to talk a little bit about sports and faith, which is one of like the first things that we ever talked about like eight years ago when the show started because it was one of the th- yeah. like, I love sports, I love faith, but we haven't talked about it in a while other than like the coaching stuff. We talked about coaching quite a bit, but I have a question for you. I played a lot of sports growing up. I played uh, in high in high school. I played football uh, in the, in the fall. I played basketball in the winter. I ran track or played baseball in the spring, and then I played summer league basketball. Like I never had a break from sports until I quit after my freshman year running track in college. So sports was like was my childhood. Like there were other things like family and faith sprinkled on top, but sports was my childhood. Uh, what role did did sports play in your life growing up, Catherine Whitaker? So I would have been like the antithesis of you. I would have been the exact opposite. Oh, a so good the, kid. <laughs> the, <laughs> the one time that I decided to play sports, um, I was on my dad's t-ball team. So like when you're in a small town, the team is sponsored by like a local business. So it was my dad's construction company that sponsored our t-ball team. And I set the bench and my dad was the coach. Oh, <laughs> no. That's the worst. <laughs> and, and when you go back and look at my photos, I spent so much time curling my hair so that it looked really cute under the baseball hat. <laughs> and I looked amazing, but I was the worst athlete ever. <laughs> so that just never stuck for me. I I'm was just not a, it. I'm just imagining athlete. your dad just... There's no crying in T ball. <laughs> but dad, I want to play. No. <laughs> there was crying because I didn't want to play, but they were like, well, let's try it. And then they were all like, no, let's not. Let's just let her sit on the bench. <laughs> That's really funny. So yeah, I was not not an athlete at all. We were supposed to be in a softball league this summer. My wife and I, my my, my wife and I have never played sports together. We had signed up to be in the sophomore uh, softball league. Um Ultimately, the league didn't make like there weren't enough teams. So we're going to play again in a different league in the fall, which I'm looking forward to because 
Swir- like because of what I said earlier, because I, because I won't be 150 degrees. 100 percent, 100 percent. We had one practice. We had one practice, and it was like from six to eight p.m. and it was still a million degrees outside. And I swear, it took me two days to recover. Like not from the running around and the hitting. It took me two days to recover right. from the sun just sucking all the energy out of my body. <laughs> yep. It will, it will do that. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a benefit to doing any sport. I mean, you can condition yourself in the summer and by the time you get to the fall, you're, you'll be amazing because you're like, well, I trained when it was 150 degrees outside. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that annoying part right now of, uh, I just, I just, I'm being more active. I'm playing basketball every Monday night. I, I went to the gym for the first time in months and the second time in months and the third time in months over this last week. And, uh, let, let me, I'm going to let you guess how many pounds you think I lost by being more active and going to the gym over the last few weeks. Well, you're a guy, which means that you have to make almost no changes and you lose weight. So I'm going to guess that you lost five to 10 pounds. No, I gained five pounds. It makes <laughs> me so angry. Do. It makes me so, I'm a girl, I guess. It makes me so angry. It's just like, because the first thing that happens when I'm out of shape, because I have a big frame and I used to be muscular and strong, is my muscles get bigger and muscles weigh more than fat. And we hear that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, fine. But my feet are dying carrying all this weight. I'm trying to lose weight. And even I though I say wor- you probably didn't gain like you gain muscle, you didn't gain fat, but it's yeah, frustrating. My feet don't care. My feet don't care what <laughs> if it's fat or muscle or bone. They still hurt carrying all this around. Yeah. It's so annoying. Um but it, it was it was interesting for me because like I was yeah my, like my wife swam growing up but she didn't play like organized sports so she didn't play baseball basketball uh, you know what whatever right um, so at this first softball night it was interesting for me like I'm asking you about your sports in your childhood it was it was something that, like when we talk about sports in childhood we talk about me in our family and so like I didn't realize that when we went to say like this softball practice that it was Sam's first softball practice ever. Like she's never played softball or baseball. And I was like, Oh, so it was, it was fun. It was like a, it was like a cool thing of like, we get to do this thing together. I get to kind of coach a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward for, to us playing, but it was kind of this insight into like, Oh, I've known this person for 14 years and like knew she was primarily a swimmer and didn't do a lot of the like, on land sports, but I didn't know, like, no, I, I thought everybody played t-ball like you did. <laughs> well, we'll use played loosely because right. I didn't really play. Um, no, I just was not a, I wasn't an athletic kid. So like when I got to college, I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, you know, you look like you'd work out, but you don't. And I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> I also look like maybe I eat salad, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I just, it was never something that intrigued me. So when I started working out, I kept thinking like, I felt one, like a poser, like everyone was going to know, oh, is this your first time? Um, but also like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could do it. Like, I didn't feel like I had the ability to do it. And that's such a lie. Like you can work out and not have been an athlete. Like you can take care of your body. Like you can make a change in other yeah. words. So yeah, it's, it's the athletes that struggle as adults. Cause we have all of our injuries from playing sports for no, I had no years. injuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that like, I, I, th- I think sports really formed me as a person, like a lot of the things that I see from my childhood that are still true about me, like uh, hard work, drive, drive, uh, pushing through pain, like all that stuff that like is like kind of the a, a part of the bedrock of who I am came from sports. And like maybe now there's like some faith like and virtue like sprinkled onto it. But the bedrock for it came 
from sports. And like like I mentioned earlier, I've been playing um, basketball on Monday nights for probably the last, I don't know, four or five months. It's, it's, I used to play every night for years and then COVID hit and canceled it. And now we're, we're back. Right. Um, so I think I mentioned a couple months ago that like the first few times back were rough, like just completely out of shape, hadn't j- yeah. run, jumped, taken a basketball shot in years. So it was kind of rough. And then I started like I was probably like the second worst player there because I was so out of shape. And now I'm starting to get into shape and I'm rising in the ranks to where I'm like, if I was in the bottom 10%, now I'm closer to the top 10% of people playing there because like I'm starting to like feel like me again, like a chubbier yeah. me than, than played in high school. But like the skills are still there, right? I might be a little bit slower, a little bit, little, can't jump as high, but I'm, 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 I'm coming back. I'm maybe 70 to 80% of what I was, you know, when I was 19 or whatever. Um, so like my shots coming back because how do you get good at something? You just you practice through the thing. You keep like, doing it. Yeah, exactly. Right. You keep um, doing it. But since you weren't an athlete, there's this thing for athletes where they go into slumps. Like there's a lot of times when I'm warming up, like where I will, I'll, I'll, I'll be shooting and I'll have like a terrible shooting day warming up. And that means one of two things, either I'm going to be terrible that night or I'm going to shoot the lights out. Like it's, it's, it, that goes all the way back to high school. Yep. Like the games that I scored the most points in, I maybe made two of my warm up 15 shots and like the layup lines and stuff, you know? And then I was like, I, I guess I got, I got all the bad shots out, you know? Or yeah. it means that like my arm is dead and I'm not going to score tonight. So um, after going from a few months of like being super out of shape and not playing well, uh, because it's really hard to shoot when you can't breathe. I don't know if you ever tried to, <laughs> tried to shoot a basketball when you can't breathe, but um, I finally started getting my shot and I started making threes and I started being able to drive and make it like I started shooting really well. Well, then a couple of weeks ago, just completely out of nowhere, like I had a terrible, terrible shooting night. So I'm going to, I know, I know what the answer is because I've been around sports my entire life, but uh, I'm going to give you some 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 multiple choice questions. If you were if you were a great shooter and you are having a rough shooting night, your options are to uh, be a ball hog and take every shot, stop shooting at all and mostly pass, focus on playing defense, focus on rebounding, you know, still be part of the team. What do you think the the correct answer is for how to get over a bad night of shooting? I feel like I'm going to answer this wrong. Um, well, <laughs> being a ball hog sounds selfish, so I don't think that's a good yep. idea. And I don't think that you should just completely shut it down and just do defense. So I feel like you should do a combination of the two. In other words, keep taking a few shots, but also the shots don't define you. Be a good team player. Defense wins ball games. So that's what I would suggest. Right. I think what a lot of people do, like the most common thing that people do is when they when they ha- are having a bad shooting night, they stop shooting, and they're like, "I'm, I'm, you know, and maybe even sure because ha- they lose their confidence." Right. Yeah, I mean, it makes L- sense. Yeah. Lose confidence in your shot, and you're like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna play defense. I'm gonna rebound or whatever." Right? And they they're like, "I'm gonna take kind of a background, a back, like a background role tonight." Right? Um, and there's even some like, I mean, like LeBron James, you know, just broke the. He's the the record for most points scored in an NBA career ever, and like he's even talked about, like he he's uh, especially when he came into the league, he was not the best like outside shooter. Like he wasn't a 
shoot threes guy. He was a get to the basket. Everybody get out of my way and I'm going to dunk all over everybody guy. But as he got older and kind of built up his game, he started shooting a little bit more threes. And he, even he has said whenever he, um, you know, if he's not feeling his three point shot, he'll start driving to the rim and either to get his teammates involved or like to get a dunk to kind of get his confidence back. And then what does he do the next time down the floor? He shoots a three to see if it's going to go back in. Right. So it's like, He's the best player in the world. I am nowhere close to the best player in the world. But they they always say, always growing up, the way out of a shooting slump is to shoot. The way out of a batting slump in baseball is to hit. The, because it's it, like you mentioned it. It's the confidence thing, right? Where it's like, yes, until my shot is back, until I'm hitting again, I'm going to still try to contribute to the team. I'm going to play defense. I'm going to drive. I'm going to dish. I'm going to for baseball hit, whatever. Right. But the worst thing that you can do is to lose confidence in your shot and stop shooting, especially if you're one of the primary shooters on the team, because let's just say, let's just say in a, in a normal game, like I'm thinking of high school, I, I probably took either the, the most or the second most shots on my team because I was either the best or the second best player. Typically, if I stopped shooting, who is now taking the shots? The third, fourth, fifth best player on the team instead of the first or second. When you don't take the shot, that means that someone else can step up and take the shot and maybe they can, you know, because every, some, some, sometimes in sports, and I mean, I think this is an analogy for lots of things, like you're hot and whatever you throw, it just hits and you're like, right. man. <laughs> like, and then other times you're like, who puts saran wrap on the top of the goal? Because right. nothing is going in. <laughs> um, but sometimes some kids just don't have it. And it's almost like it gives confidence to the other kids who are like, ah, they're always the one that take the shot. So I don't want to blow like this right. try <laughs> because they're going to be, the, I, I should pass it to them. But sometimes they step up. So, I mean, I know if I know we're talking about us individually and your individual slump, but it also relates, I think a little bit to the Christian life and that if you've got, if you have a little bit of a slump, let someone else take some shots and maybe they might shine and maybe they might find a new talent or a new gift, but that's hard when what 16 year old is going to follow that advice. <laughs> right. None of them, but, but, but I there get, is I get a it. balance, right? Like, cause there, there are these yeah. two kind of diverging things, right? Where it's like, if you're going to be able to shoot, well, you need to have confidence in your shot, but you also still need to be a good teammate. So I see what you're saying. Right. And that works in like a game. Like there are nights where you just don't have it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, yeah, like I was thinking about the the NBA finals, like the, the Miami Heat went to the NBA finals and Jimmy Butler was clearly their best player. Like he was dr they were the eighth seed, like the one of the worst seeds to make it to the playoffs. And Jimmy Butler just dragged them through the play, like by sheer force of will. He was like, we are going to the finals. Uh, but they had because of a lot of injuries, they had a lot of these kind of like background players, these undrafted players that would have good nights. And every now and then Jimmy would have a bad night because even though it was his sheer force of will, if you play a seven game series, you're probably going to have one, two nights, even if you're the, one of the best players on the, on the team that it's not going to be the best night. But um, what happens a lot with uh, like the, the losing the confidence and being a team player is kind of fine. If you're the star in like a game or two, right? But if Jimmy Butler would have lost his confidence in shooting game one in the first round of the playoffs and stopped taking all of the shots throughout the rest of the seven game series, they would not have made the run that they did because he's their best player and he needs to be shooting. Right. So like every coach, because you can see it like as, as a coach, as a parent watching your kids play, oh, whatever, yeah. 
you can see when the confidence just falls out of a kid, right? The yeah. only way and you out. Can, and you can't pep talk them out of it. We've tried. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the worst thing that they want to do is be encouraged by mom. When they're in a uh, <laughs> you know, we had, so our kids are all athletes and one of them um, is, was a cross country runner. And we used to like encourage him on the trail. And finally he pulled my husband aside. He's like, dad, stop encouraging me. <laughs> and we're like, we're, we're just being like, hey, you know, way to run strong, look and relax. And he's like, don't talk to me like, okay and then and then with the next kid they're like no s- encourage me all the way and i'm right. like so you never know but yeah you can't pep talk if, if a kid whether it's in theater band the nerdy stuff or whether it's the athletic stuff you can't pep talk somebody out of it they yeah, have to hit themselves. that g note on the baritone Woo! hey don't <laughs> Don't hate on band kids. That was me. I had a slump too as the second chair bassoon player. Ooh, second chair. What a loser. Not first chair. (laughs) My best friend was first chair. It's okay. I I was sitting next to the cute boy who was third chair, so it was fine. There you go. I I like that. You like a middle of the pack boy. Where does Scott fall into this picture? (laughs) That's funny because that third seat bassoon player is now a orthopedic surgeon for... uh, the Las Vegas Raptors? Is that what they are in Las Vegas? Nope. <laughs> it's so wrong. I don't even know what team you're trying to reference. <laughs> I really should have just said Las Vegas. The Raptors oh, are I- in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean the Raiders, the football team? That's another no. R word. No, okay. the, it's, the, he's in Las Vegas. I really should have stopped that story. Anyway, what, what like um, what, what? Now we have to know what sport are we talking about? They have a hockey team, basketball team. Tell me what they have. Oh, ho- they have Las a hockey Vegas. team. That's that's one of their newer ones. That's uh, the Las Vegas. They were just in the finals. Yes, that's what he does. He's the he's the doctor for the hockey team. Oh my gosh, now I feel bad because I made fun of you and I don't remember their name. It's okay. You Golden have... Knights. The Golden Knights. Yes. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not the Golden Raptors. That's very, that was very funny. That made me laugh quite a bit. Um, Ooh, yeah, so, my eyes are awake now. Yeah. Anyway, yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel much more awake now. I needed a good laugh at someone else's expense. <laughs> that's what wakes me up. <laughs> that's going to make the clip on the final. Yeah, anyway, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, he ended up doing just fine, even though he was third chair bassoon. Uh, but was, yeah, you hit a slump. It's okay. It's, it happens. That was so funny. I was just like, <laughs> I can't even help you. It's so wrong. <laughs> like when people get the like baseball team at Houston wrong, they're like, you know, the Houston Rockets. I'm like, no, I, I get what you mean, though, because they're like Rockets, Astros are pretty similar. Like, Raptors has nothing. It was, it was just so, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, so uh, you're in a slump right now in knowing sports teams. <laughs> hey, I will say you name I, football, collegiate or professional football. I'm I'm your girl, but I'm not so good with all the other sports. All right. I'm, so here I'm, we're going to prove my theory that I haven't fully shared yet. Right. But the way out of a slump is to do the thing. So I'm going to I'm going to let you I'm going to let you go on a roll here. Okay. So the, you you very much got the Las Vegas mascot wrong. So I'm going to let you uh, get the mascot. I'm going to ask you the team. What is the okay. mascot for the Texas A&M baseball team? The mascot? We don't have, I mean, we have Reveille, but we don't really have a mascot. I'm trying I to I mean, make that's this our easy. mascot. 
the Texas A&M. There's a word well, that comes they're, right they're after. The, it. They're the Aggies. Yeah, what's like the, the Texas A&M football team mascot? Aggies. Uh, Texas A&M's uh, <laughs> swimming team mascot. <laughs> Listen, I know other sports teams besides A&M. Taylor. Uh, okay, I promise. Uh, what is? Uh, let's see. Where did you grow up? You grew up in. Houston area? I grew up in the pan. No, no. Oh gosh, no. I'm from the Panhandle. That's panhandle. why I have an accent. Okay, yeah. so the uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. See, there you go. See, uh, uh, the way out of a slump is to do the thing that that you're that you're slumping in. So the the only way out of a shooting slump. So like Jimmy Butler when he has one bad game, he's still shooting. Like right. it, he takes 25 shots a game. If he makes, you know, the the best players make about 50% of them like from the wing, right? So if he shoots 12 of 25, it's a pretty good night. If he shoots 18 of 25, it's a great night. But 12, you know, 12 of 25 right around 50%, he's having a good night. But when he's having a bad night, he goes 2 for 18. Like, yeah, he takes a little bit less shots, but he's still shooting because the only way out of a slump is to shoot out of it. The only way out of a batting slump in baseball is to keep hitting. The only way to get like rid of the yips that they call it in golf where you're like you're a great player and all of a sudden you're terrible. The only way to get out of it is to hit golf balls. Like, so it's this whole idea of I, I literally thought about it this past Monday while we were playing basketball because I was not having a good shooting night. And literally the thing that pops into my head from all of my coaching from growing up, shooters shoot. Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shooters shoot. Like, like if you have, if you have made eight shots in a row and you have a wide open three, you're supposed to shoot it. If you have missed eight shots in a row and you have a wide open three, you are supposed to shoot it. Like shoot or shoot. That's what you're supposed to do right now. Maybe you don't come down and jack up a three in a slump with three people guarding you. Right. But if in the flow of the game as, and you know, your role, typical role on the team, but if you have an open shot, you're supposed to take it like coaches and other players get mad. If like, let's say I'm in a slump. I did this on Monday. I was in a slump and somebody gave me a great pass to a shot where I was like eight feet from the goal. And what did I do? I tried to be a quote unquote good teammate and pass him the ball. And it was too congested. And it was a turnover. I should have shot the ball. But my confidence had left momentarily. And literally, as I'm running down the court, I'm like, I should not have done that. <laughs> like, the And that's confi- when the coach take that's when the coach takes the clipboard and like throws it down yes! and like yells, Taylor, take the <laughs> exactly, shot. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no coach there. I'm the only coach there. So I'm yelling at myself running back down the court on to play defense. Because yes. the, the whole idea is that shooters shoot. So like I took less shots this past Monday night than I had the previous few nights because just kind of in the flow of the game, uh, I didn't have as much shots, but also like I was in a slump, so I wasn't taking as many shots. But then, so like I had missed two threes. I had, I was maybe like, you know, I had a couple around the basket. That those those are just going to go in like 80% of the time, right? Just like little easy layups or whatever. Um, but I'm literally talking to myself, shoot or shoot. Now, I'm still doing the team thing. I'm still like my shot in here. So I'm going to play a little bit more on defense. I'm the biggest guy here. I'm going to get it. um, My goal is to get every rebound. I'm still going to do the team things. But I was like, I need to keep shooting. So what do I do? I come down uh, the next couple of plays. I start taking shots. I start making them. Uh, I'm going to give you one guess after I had this little pep talk with myself with about there's about 30 minutes left. We're playing about 30 minutes left in, in the game. Um, I, I have had a bad shooting night and it is obvious to me and it is obvious to anybody there playing that has any basketball IQ. Like 
Taylor was having a bad shooting night. I'm going to give you one guess as to uh, I, there was a player at the end of a game in a, in a tightly contested game taking the game-winning shot from about six feet behind the three-point line that made it that ended the night. I'm going to give you one guess as to who that person was. Do you were, you're saying they were six feet behind the line? Yep. Was that you? No, it was a guy named Joseph. Yes, of course it was me. <laughs> After this terrible shooting night, like in the normal flow of the game, like where I'm one of the better players there, even though I haven't been the better player that night, I'm going to take the shot because if I don't take the shot, it means somebody else is going to do it. And I had more confidence in myself taking the shot with the game on the line. So somebody's driving the lane. And what happens because I'm not getting the respect that I usually deserve. So my defender drifts off to go double team him. I am now wide open. And the lane is congested. I'm six feet behind the three-point line. I jack it up. Of course, it swishes and goes in. Game over. Night over. After one of my worst shooting nights ever. So, like, we didn't win as many games as my teams usually do because I'm typically one of the better players, and I wasn't scoring all that much. But the only way out of the slump, guess who left that night feeling very confident in their basketball shot? Me! After my worst shooting night! And so I was driving home and thinking about it and I was all happy. And literally within five minutes, I go, crap. I do the exact opposite of all of my training for, for sports. I do the exact opposite in my spiritual life. When I am in a slump with my prayer, with my reading the Bible, with um, paying, paying great attention and mass, when I'm in a slump spiritually, I stop doing the thing. That is how I respond to my slump in my faith. I lose confidence. I'm like, well, if my prayer life isn't working, then why pray? If if uh, if if the last couple of masses I didn't get anything out of it, why pay attention? Uh, or why give it my full attention or whatever? Right? I do the exact opposite in my spiritual life of what I know works in the other aspects of my life, and it was one of those things that I realized just didn't transfer over. Like 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 I mentioned at the beginning, most of the things that I'm good at now. I learned in sports and then they transferred over to my faith or I had faith wrinkled on it. This is one of those areas where it, I, I went from like super happy to get in the game winning shot to crap. Why haven't I learned this lesson the rest of my life? It was, it hit me like a gut punch while I'm all happy that I hit the game winning shot. <laughs> but you still learned it. I learned it. I'm still kind of frustrated about it. So I don't know if I've responded well to it, but I did learn the lesson. <laughs> you did. I mean, but I mean, isn't that how God uses things in our lives to teach us is he finds the things that we love and tries to reveal something to us and something that we love and hopes that we might turn it around and be like, oh, that was God. That wasn't me. And um, I, th I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect in many things, parenthood, life, sports, cooking dinner. <laughs> which I'm currently not doing. Um, you know, I mean, I think he, I think we put all this pressure on ourselves and instead he's like, man, just like, if you haven't been meal planning here lately, well then just get up and do it again. So that's what I did this morning. Talk about slumps. Like literally the kids have been, they've been like, mom, you don't cook at all anymore. Dad does everything. And I'm like, I got to fix that. So I pulled out the <laughs> recipe book and I was like, that's it. I'm going to open the book and the next four recipes, I'm going to cook those. And you know what? They're actually really good recipes. Nice. So I was like, that took me like, two minutes, but I've been lamenting about it all summer. Sometimes I just don't think we give ourselves permission to be bad at something and then get up the next morning and be like, all right, today we're just going to do it better. 
doesn't have to be perfect. Just make it better. Yeah. It's really good. I, and then I like it. So that was Monday. And then yesterday I had this, I had a meeting with a friend of mine who's in deacon formation and he was like, how's your prayer life? And I was like, well, it sucks. I, I hate it when people ask him <laughs> that. I'm like, you already know the, this is what feels like a rhetorical right, question. Yeah, you yeah. already know the answer. And of course his is going swimmingly. <laughs> But it was, it was, it was one of those like life lessons, faith lessons that just hit me like a, like a brick right between the eyes, you know, like it it was like, oh, I, I know how to work through this struggle better in sports than I do in my faith. So shoot or shoot, prayers, pray, scripture readers, read scripture, (laughs) mass goers go to mass. Like that, that's what I needed to sink into my head this week. So that's what I'm focusing on. I like that. Well, good. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to play a very silly game. (laughs) Nice little transition from this life lesson that I learned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We would love for you to join us at one of our Forte Catholic Renew retreats this fall. We are having two uh, weekend retreats for the men and our first ever women's retreat hosted by my wife. We can't wait for these. The dates are for the men. It's August 24th through 27th for the women. Is uh, September 28th through October 1st. And then the second option for the men is October 26th through 29th. These are uh, fun retreats. It's essentially, you know, if you like the, sh- the style of the show, you'll probably like the style of the retreat. It's about half retreat, half just hanging out with other Catholic men or women, respectively. Um, we are at a beautiful, beautiful lake house in southern Louisiana. Uh, the retreat side is pretty much Lexio Divina based. It's just uh, some time in personal prayer and then coming back together, talk about it in small group. It is a small group retreat. We max out at 12 people. So if you'd like to come and have uh, like a, a intimate retreat with some other uh, fantastic Catholic men or women. We would love for you to join us. You can find more information at fortecatholic.com slash retreats. Uh, we also have some fun. We play games. There's like uh, ping pong and pool, and there's also uh, a beach right down the road that we get to go to. Uh, we celebrate uh, mass. We have confessions. Uh, we do adoration. It is a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Renew your faith and also just kind of have some time to relax with some other great people. So again, that's fortecatholic.com slash retreats. We'd love for you to join us. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and that is Catherine Raptor Whitaker. You got a new nickname around here these days. Uh, We are going to play a game that you and I have never played. I know that I've played it with Father Anthony. I feel like I played it with somebody else, but I can't remember. But it's still a pretty new game, so I'm going to explain it to to, to the audience. It, It got popular on TikTok a few months ago. It's like the big trend, and of course now it's dead, but I still love it. Um because I've only played it once or twice. It's called the alphabet game. Have you had you heard about this? Like I know I explained it a little to you over, you know, before we started recording, but had you heard about this phenomenon before? No. No. Okay. So it was it was I this- mean, I know the premise of the alphabet game, so when you told me I was like, "Oh, okay, it's just new parameters, but it's basically the same thing." <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, "Well, I know what the alphabet is." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I, I I know. I know you don't know the Las Vegas Raptors, I but do- I know that you know the alphabet." I'm not We haven't gone my confidence level in you has not dropped that Wonderful. significantly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> what number comes after 8? No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, <laughs> So, 
how this is going to work or how the alphabet game works is that it's two people having a conversation, which is very easy because we are currently two people having a conversation. And just for ease's sake for the first round, we're going to start with the letter A and then we're going to end with the letter Z. And essentially, we're going to take turns saying a sentence and that sentence has to start with the next letter in the alphabet. So if I'm going to start, my sentence has to start with the letter A, your sentence has to start with the letter B, my, mine starts with the letter C. And we go back and forth where our sentence starts with that letter until we wrap all the way around the alphabet and end with Z. So uh, the, the way that we're going to make this Catholic is that we are going to talk about a Catholic concept okay. and try to, the, the, the fun of this is to try to have a coherent, try, not that it's going to be coherent, but we are going to try to have a coherent conversation about a subject that you and I are going to decide upon uh, here in just a second. And we're going to try to have a real conversation like we are a real Catholic podcast uh, about whatever topic we decide, but we are alternating letters. Does the premise make sense to you? Because if it makes sense oh, yeah, to you, it sure. makes sense to the listeners. Okay. Yeah. So um, we'll do a couple of these, but just for ease's sake so that everybody knows what we're doing, we're going to start. I'll start the conversation. I'll be A, and we'll go all the way back through Z, but I'm going to let you pick the topic. What topic in Catholicism would you like for us to tackle here in our alphabet game conversation? Um, How about Rome, the Vatican, and the Pope? Rome, the Vatican, and the Pope. Okay. Right. All right. Uh, so are you ready? Yeah, let's so, do it. All right. So you got to keep track of what letter we're on. All right, here we go. Uh, a few months ago, you went to Rome, and we talked about it here on the show. Basically, I did, and it was super fun. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit more about like some of those highlights from the trip? The next letter in the alphabet is D. Don't I know? I know what I was like. Don't you know that the biggest part of that trip wasn't the things that we saw, but the things that we ate? Eating is one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> Food is, um, that's how you experience a country, I think, is by eating the food. Uh, getting back to, to the faith aspect, what were some of the things that really stuck out to you about uh, vi visiting the capital of Catholicism? Heavenly. I mean, most of the places that we went certainly directed our hearts toward the Lord. I'm a little jealous. I mean, we were supposed to have a trip to Rome this summer and it got canceled. So I I'm a little sad. This is hard, Taylor. <laughs> um, all the things that I can think of that start with that letter aren't working. Jesus, um, you can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> that was okay. We're gonna we're gonna follow up with that one. So I'm I'm with L. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about like what were some of the uh, the spiritual implications of this trip on your life mostly i think we enjoyed seeing places where jesus had where where he had been even though saint monica was the one that brought all those back but i think that was pretty powerful no doubt no doubt or i mean i <laughs> guess i could look at we saw people that we love there who are actually Roman and we don't often get to see them. Pretend that you're somebody who's never been to Rome. They've all heard about Rome, but what's like one of the most special things that most people wouldn't think about about your trip? 
quiet prayer was a really awesome part of the trip, but I'm frustrated that with P, you didn't use Pope Francis. (laughs) Really missed the ball there, didn't I? (laughs) Sure did. (laughs) Taylor's an idiot. (laughs) Oh, man, I was going to say you said it, but that's not. uh... (laughs) I I was looking at you as well, because that's how I text. Understanding, I think, the the faith component helps you, I think, when you come home, practice it better. Very astute. I'm, pr- I'm happy for you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, xylophones. <laughs> We're not played in St. Peter's. Um you know, I think of all the things that we did, though, it was the time together as a family that I love the most. Zippy! <laughs> you should have said Zucchetto. That was the whole Zucchetto, reason why. Should... that's really funny. You need to stop thinking about what I should say and think about what you should say. Mine are dumb but quick. <laughs> Yours are well thought out and slow. <laughs> I can't believe I blanked on Jay. Good Lord, Catherine. <laughs> Maybe I need Jesus. to pray more. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I You didn't think of Jesus for Jay, and I didn't think of Pope for Pope me. Pope Francis. So. All right. We're going to do this one more time. We're going to do it one more time. So um, I'm I'm going to let you pick what letter we start on, and you're going to start. I'm going to pick the topic. So you pick a letter that isn't A, and we'll wrap all the way around it. So like if you pick L, L we'll go all the way through K. Ending on Z is very hard. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start. I'll start on K. That's that's okay. My oh, name. K for Catherine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the topic that we are going to talk about is confession. It starts with a C. I understand, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Um, All right, we're talking oh. about confession. You're starting on the letter K. Knowing that we're talking about confession makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, let's dive into why you're a little bit nervous about this topic because I think a lot of other people are nervous about confession. Man, you got to like lay it all out in front of a priest. And sometimes that's difficult. All right. No joke. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's difficult, but, you know, it's good for us. Or is it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know it is. I know it. <laughs> all right. You're on cue. Um, <laughs> I want to say quickly, it never goes quickly. Quickly. Never, um Rarely do mine take very long because I'm typically saying the same things over and over again. So I have my list and I'm going through it. Sure. But I'm a girl and sometimes we get emotional. Uh, That's not a subject that I'm going to comment on. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to say you're smart. but You are smart. (laughs) Undoubtedly. It was the hardest sacrament for me to accept as a new Catholic. Very interesting. I I don't often think about it from a Protestant perspective. Well, you should. (laughs) It'll help you. I'll I'll just stop there. Well, you should. We'll say that. Exceptional. (laughs) You keep getting X. That was your thing. You keep getting X. I'm on Y, right? Yep. What did you just say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let me think about this for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we do listen to people who may be converts and maybe not think about what that sacrament might be like for them, but I think it can be really fruitful for both. Um, it's a new sacrament, I think, for some and one that people are really comfortable with on the other side. Zucchettos are something that you'll see if you go to confession face to face face with the Pope. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're in Rome, maybe not so much if you're in Texas. Basically, I'm just very disappointed that my priests around here aren't the Pope. Come on. <laughs> Uh, do you want to share your, uh, best confession experience? Um, <laughs> no, it's, well, the answer is, the answer is <laughs> no, but I can't think of a word that starts with E. Excruciating. Absolutely not. <laughs> yes, that would be excruciating. No, absolutely not. Uh, fine. I guess. Way to not Good. help people. <laughs> Good, because I didn't want to go there. Hell yes or hell no is one thing that you always say about something. And you just said hell yes to confession, but hell no to sharing about it. I knew you were going to say something like that. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it ends. (laughs) Oh, man. It's very funny. stressful. I know. Well, it's one of those things that I'm always surprised because you... Like people like you, Allison, you're good on your feet. Like, even when Father Anthony played, I thought you and Allison like are typically like a little bit more time to think about things, and then you share very deeply. A- Anthony and I are very quick, and it takes a while for us to get deep. So, but even with Anthony, like it took him a little bit, while, a little while. It's like the point of the game is to be quick, not good, and that's this podcast is to be quick but not good. <laughs> so you're just so used to being great and slower. <laughs> It's a difficult game for you. That's hard because I'm thinking like of the topic and like, is this relatable to the topic? All you're thinking is, what's a word that I can say that starts yes, 100%. You say the first word and then try to make it connect. You don't try to think of a, we're not actually trying to help no. people with confession right now. <laughs> but I was because... I was. Yes. Yeah, I see it different than you do. It's very fun. Well, it, yeah. I, I think next time we play this, I'll remind you that it is a, it is a game. We are playing a game. It is do not for, teach people, Catherine. Yeah, Just exactly. play the game. Sorry. Um, one, one fun note on, uh, on confession. So I, I have two things that I have talked about at length for the last few months that people are probably tired of hearing about are coaching track and uh, foundations. This, you know, uh, 10-week course on Catholicism that I've been teaching at the parish, but I go to it every week and there's a lot of fruit from it. So I like to talk about it. And we just did our uh, night on the sacraments two weeks ago. So the homework for the night of the sacraments is to go to confession, especially if it hasn't, if it, if it has been a while. And essentially the premise being like nothing that we do here, because everybody that is got, that is going through foundations, it's like the halfway point has gone through alpha. So they've had this like 15 weeks of like renewing of faith and having community and talking about faith and great meals together and uh, small groups together. We've had all this time. And essentially we get to this night and at the end of the night, you know, uh, one of my friends gives a, gives a talk on the sacraments and I end the night essentially saying nothing that we are doing here, it will be better for your spiritual life than to going to confession, especially if it's been a while. Um, 
I was like, the community's great. The learning about God is great. The like, even like building a prayer life and getting back into like going, either going to mass or like having a bit deeper appreciation mass. All of those are great things. But for your personal spiritual life, there's nothing better than cleaning house and going to confession, especially if it's been a while. So that it's one of my favorite nights is the next week. Because there are some people that are still kind of wrestling with it, and we're and we're like open about it. They're like, if you have hangups, come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you if there's things hold, holding you back from it or whatever. But then there's also people. I got goosebumps now. There are three different people that it had been over 25 years since they had been to confession, and they went to confession simply because we asked them to, simply because we encouraged them to, and like they were ready, right? And like yes, the the other things that we did, Alpha and the foundation, it helped them to get ready. But it's like simply just encouraging somebody to go and telling them the benefits of it. Like 25 years of living in, like having mortal sin on your conscience and it's just gone. They are different people and you can see it. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's one of the most uh, wow. impactful things I think we've ever, I've, I've ever been, been able to experience in doing ministry. You know, we find that too with like our teenagers, like when we go to like Steubenville or we go on retreats and we just, ask them, Hey, how long has it been? And you should go. Like, I think, I think sometimes people need permission and also reassurance that there's nothing there's that there's no shame that they should feel in sharing. It's going to be hard, but I always find that to be a really beautiful component of events that we do. But I think the hard part, Taylor, is that I think people feel maybe more confident or more encouraged to go when they're at an event or a retreat. I think the harder part is to make it part of your regular, normal, ordinary life. Yeah. And that's that's why I like what we're doing with foundations is like, we're like, here's the times at our parish. Go. Yeah. And like a couple of them, if it's been a very long time, like one of them, it had been a long time, but they were ready to go. There's another one that it had been a long time, and it's because they were a convert like yourself. And when after they converted, they came and they had a very bad experience with a priest in confession. So, like, yeah. my suggestion for them in particular, really anybody can do it, but especially for somebody in that situation, I was like, make an appointment with our priest because our pastor, I've said it on here a ton, he's incredible and he's amazing. And they set an appointment and they went, and it went great. So, yeah. it's just like, it was just, just just these little things, but uh, funny thing uh, about the Steubenville thing because I I might have told this story before, but it was years ago uh, when I was in high school. I was at a Steubenville conference, and uh, we were in confession, and that like there were it was one of those things that like usually when you go to confession, everyone is quiet, and you kind of hear a little bit of murmur, and maybe you hear what somebody's saying. It's the opposite of Steubenville conferences. There are so many priests and so many people going to confession that it is just simply too loud for you to be able to hear what anybody else is saying. But I was going to confession and like the person next to me, they had set up these like, um, not screens, like these like black, like uh, curtains, these black curtains mm -hmm. were essentially like th these big rectangles for to go to confession. The person next to me, I'm in the middle of this teenage Taylor. I'm in the middle of getting absolution. And I could see that the kid next to me is getting absolution, except he doesn't realize he's getting absolution. You could tell that it had been a while since he had been to confession. He was excited to go and he went. So excited that when the priest put up his hand to give him absolution, he gave him a high he five. He gave him a high five. <laughs> and it made me so happy because it's just like he's stoked that his sins are about to be absolved. It was so funny. Oh, I love teenagers. <laughs> and I'm sure that priest was like, 
Right on, man. Yeah, yeah, Thanks yeah. Thanks for coming. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I know I, we used to laugh our priests when we would have a big retreat. He, they would be like up in the choir loft and they were having to scream, basically. <laughs> he would be like, these poor kids. He's like, what was your sin again? Yeah, like, yeah, they're yelling. Yeah. He's like, so not only did they have to say it once, but they had to yell it twice. But yeah, um, there's something really good and holy about helping kids see that that can be a really beautiful sacrament. Um, I think as adults, we sort of make it complicated. Speaking of making it complicated, it's what you did to the game. And see, I always let you have a real conversation after. So that's how we do things around here, Catherine. We do sorry. something I'm silly. Sorry. and then No, you don't have to apologize. It's your first time doing it. I'm just telling you. You don't have to try to fit in the real stuff into the stupid game. We'll talk about Got the it. real stuff after. Got All right. Okay. Uh, don't, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back for our final segment. I'm currently in the process of scheduling events for this coming fall and spring. I'd love to come and speak or lead worship for uh, your parish, for a parish event, for your diocese. So if you have um, some connections at wherever you are you're with your parish, diocese, Catholic school, whatever, uh, I'd love to talk to you about coming and uh, you know sharing some ministry there in person with you guys. Uh, I've been traveling the country to speak and lead worship for over a decade now, and things have kind of slowed down a little bit uh, you know, since the world changed about three years ago. Uh, so I've, I've been able to do some pretty great events over the last couple of years years, but I'm looking to do some more. So if you'd like uh, for me to come out to, to speak to your youth group, to your young adult group, to your uh, do a parish mission, anything like that, a retreat, conference, whatever, I'd love to be able to help. And I've been doing so for quite some time. So I think I've gotten pretty good at it by this point. So uh, for the Catholic.com slash booking is where you can find some more information or you can email me, uh, email me Taylor at for the Catholic.com. I'd love to come out, hang out with you guys, uh, share a little bit about the Jesus, maybe sing for him a little bit. Uh, so again, that's ForteCatholic.com slash booking. Thanks. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and that is Mrs. Raptor. She is now married <laughs> to the Raptor. So uh, we have been talking about us as kids and some of our stories from our childhood. And I have two stories, uh, and I, and I want to get to know uh, you know childhood Catherine a little bit more. Uh, but essentially, I had two realizations recently where... In some ways, I am the same exact person, just older uh, in some ways as I was when I was a child. And in other ways, I am the complete opposite of who I was as a child. So I have one story of each. You have one story of each. I'll kick us off. The one story where I know, like where I am the exact same person, just chubbier and with less hair than I was when I was, I I was probably 17 or 18 in this story. Um, I was in a dual credit class. So like, you know, a lot of people know what that is. Like I didn't go to high school for like the first two periods, my, my junior and senior year. And I went to the community college to get some college credit. And I, I forget what class this was, but I remember not enjoying it. Uh, so uh, I was sitting in the back of the class and not, it wasn't, it was not really out of malice. It was more just a, a thing that I was doing sitting in the back of the class, because that's where I belong, because I was a troublemaker. But I had a notepad uh, for, to take to take notes, like not a notepad, like a, a notebook, right? Uh, I forget what they are, because I just use iPads and iPhones now. But, you know, there was a, you know, probably 200 page notebook. And I was taking notes for the class. And at the top of every page, every time my teacher said, um, I would just make a little tick mark. And you know, like the tick marks where you do like the four and then you cross it through with five. Uh, 
he said um a lot, like I just said once. So if you you know now that you know what I'm doing, you play along with with this game. But I would every time he said um, I would make a tick mark, tick mark, tick mark, tick mark, and then slice it through for the fifth one. And I did this for weeks. And one day, he finally noticed that every he finally made a connection after weeks of this happening that what I was doing in my notebook. Because not everyone is taking notes all the time because it was a very boring class and it wasn't very good and he wasn't a very good teacher. So it was pretty obvious at times whenever he would say, um, and I would lift my pencil and put it onto the notebook and make a thing. So finally he realized he walked to the back of class, started yelling at me and he said, explain these. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, is that every time I say, um, and I go, um, and he kicked me out of class. <laughs> Wow. And you know what you know what I do for a living now? I take ums out of people talking on podcasts and videos. (laughs) I am the same exact person that I was at 18 as I am now, and I found a a way to monetize. I was gonna say now you're getting paid to do (laughs) it. Exactly. This obsession, but I just I just want to fix it. It's one of those things where I'm just like you should be a better speaker. You are a college professor. And he would say um, 96 times in a six He should have taken Toastmasters class. because they, they <laughs> tell you to pause because um is a filler. That's so why it took of- you so long in the alphabet game. You took Toastmasters. <laughs> I did. I did. Because it's just we use it as an unconscious filler. So instead of saying um, you should just pause, collect your thoughts, and then say what you're going to say. It was just, it was just very funny because I thought about the story the other day. I was having a conversation and uh, I think it was because I was in a restaurant where there was a buzz, like a white noise and it drove me insane and no one else in the restaurant noticed it. But like we had to wrap up our dinner early because this hum, it it was just driving me insane because that's one of the other things that I do with every piece of audio that I edit. So I take out the white noise. So it's just very funny that like this thing about me that got me kicked out of college class is now what I do for a living. So I'm the same person. I've just utilized that. Uh, it was a character flaw that I made literally my personality. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. What's one I mean, for you where you're the same exact person now that you were when you were a younger Catholic? Well, I, ha- I have a. I have a few, but I'll go with this one. So when I was younger, my grandmother owned the Hallmark store. And so we would always get puzzles. Like and the cards clothes. and stuff? Uh, no, so these would be the pu- like the little puzzles that you have. You know, oh, they would be know. the twenty-five piece or the fifty piece. So when you used to go into Hallmark stores, they used to, they had cards, precious moments, Snoopy. If you remember Snoopy, so they had Snoopy, and then they had puzzles. And so I had a Snoopy and a lot of them, and then I had these puzzles. And so when I got back to my house, my puzzles were in my closet, but they were all color coded and they were sorted by size. So. All the small squares by in rainbow color order, and then and then Snoopy's clothes were sorted by: is it Belle's clothes? Is it Snoopy? Is it his cousin? Is it Little Snoopy? Is it Woodstock? And they were all sorted. And I would not let my friends come over to play unless they put the things back where they belonged. And so I used to say, for everything there is a place, there is a place for everything, and that has not changed even six kids in. Now I will say I'm not nearly as top A as I used to be, but I do believe strongly that chaos is managed by order and that never did leave me. 
I was also the daughter of a school teacher and an army man, so I had zero hope (laughs) of ever being anything else. So what is an example? So uh, you weren't good at making friends because because of what you just shared. So what is an example of how this has shown up at, at your house, like with your kids? Well, I think this ability to take something like that you love to do, like I loved dressing up Snoopy, I loved doing puzzles, and then you find a way to give it order. And so I think with my kids... One, it taught me to be a good steward of the things that I have. Like I took care of those things. In fact, my kids still play with some of those puzzles and still play with some of those Snoopy clothes because we played with them. It's not that I they weren't on a shelf and I never played with them, but that we took care of them. And so I'm, my hope is, is that as a mom, my kids are learning that if you love something, you should take care of it because it's meant like that's how you become a good steward of the things that you own you shouldn't throw things just that you love you wouldn't throw your favorite sweater on the floor so you should fold it up and put it in your closet i'm not asking for it to be perfect but i'm asking for you to show some love in the things that you care about so i think as a mom i think that sort of translated into what i do now and why i believe strongly that you should have less things and you should take care of the the things that you do have I'm very glad that you took this personality tick and made it your version of love. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> well, love is in the details, I yeah. say. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's another. The other story is one where I'm very different than I was. This was I was probably 17, probably around the same time actually as I was uh, getting kicked out of college class. But uh, when I was uh, playing football. In high school. Oh, yeah, it was it was my junior year. It was my junior year. So I was probably 16, 17. And I was uh, my body was built to play football. I was 6'2, weighed 225, 5% body fat, ran a 447 in the 40, uh, could you know kill her in the weight room. Like I was like literally like the prototype football player. Like when you look at people that are getting drafted in the NFL, they had very similar stats, like physically, that I had when I was, you know, junior high junior and senior in high school. Um, but I had hernia surgery, uh, the, the year after my, my junior year. So I missed, um, two, I missed a lot of two a days because I had gotten sliced open and had major surgery. It was like, I was a hard worker. I was always a hard worker. I was like, always the one finished. Like when we ran sprints at practice, I was always the one finishing first. Well, like I, I was a hard worker. Right. So it wasn't like I had a pattern of not working hard. Uh, I missed two a days because I got sliced open. It was an incredible pain. It took me like three weeks to get released to run. And then another week before I was released to like start hitting again, start playing football. Well, after those three weeks, so we always did this thing in in two a days where it was this like essentially like, you know, everybody has run suicides at some point in PE or sports or whatever, but it was like suicides on steroids. It was essentially like three minutes of suicides. You had to hit a certain amount of yards in the three minutes in order to like, be cleared to play for the season. And it took most players like two to three weeks into uh, two a days in order to like pass that test to be able to like play for the season. I had not run for a month because I had sur- major surgery. My first day back at practice, I passed that test and I was ready to play. And, but all of my coaches were essentially like, you skip two a days, you're not playing this year. This is my senior year. I was I was in a magazine as one as, as one of the top tight ends in the state of Texas, and I did not play my senior year. And it's because I was like, well, the coach is the coach, so I'm not going to argue with him or whatever. Um, but 
So I, I did go one time after like a few weeks of like into the season of not playing. And I walked into the coach's office and like to try to stand up for myself and be like, Hey, I'd like to play. And it wasn't like I was a terrible player. I was really good. I had, had three really good seasons before that. I was like, I'd like to play. And I feel like I can contribute. And they were like, no, we don't want anything to do with you. And it was so shocking that I like left with like a, my tail between my legs. Right. And now looking back at it as the person that I am now, where like I can stand up for myself in any scenario. Uh, I can even go even to the further end of the spectrum where I'm defending myself even when I was wrong. Like I, I have like w- confident in myself. I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. And like, so now me as the adult looking back at that 16 to 17 year old me, I wish I would have fought harder for myself. It's one of my big regrets because I feel like I could have played and contributed and been very good because I was good at it. And because of the authority in my life, like these coaches that essentially laughed me out of the room, I was like, I didn't stand up for myself. And I had a terrible season. I essentially stood on the sideline my entire senior year after like being a protege for the first three years. Um, So that was one of the things that I think uh, you know, the, the first example of was like, it was a character tick or a character flaw or something specific about me that I turned into what I do now. I do feel like that moment, I look back at it now and try to be like, put like my confidence and personality onto that 17 year old kid version of Taylor. And it's just, I, but I, and I wish I would have done something differently, but honestly, I think that scenario was a big catalyst to make me who I am now, because I'm like, I'm never going to let that happen again. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to, assert myself and all those sorts of things. So it's one of those things that I talk about all the time. Like even when I see like go home and I see friends from high school, they're like, what happened? Why didn't you play? And I was like, I don't know, man. You know, like it's still kind of a thing and it still kind of hurts and sucks, but it's one of those things that like, I literally didn't have the tools to stand up for myself that I now have in droves. So it's just kind of an interesting thing to look back and be like, well, I wasn't the same person, but I like the person that I am now. So, yeah. You know, as you were talking, I was like, I was I'm one, that's awesome, Taylor, that you had a experience that you sort of found who you were, like probably who you were all along, but that was the catalyst to really lean into that. Um, yeah, I don't, man, that's, that's a, honestly, that's a really hard question. I mean, I wasn't Catholic growing up, so certainly doing any of this was <laughs> <Right>. not on <laughs> my radar. You coming, huh? <laughs> This is not in the life brochure. Um, I think that I think that being Protestant growing up made me very hypersensitive to how we talk about other faith religions. And I don't think I became that hypersensitive until I became Catholic. I think when I was Protestant, I was like, whatever, this is how we do things. And I loved being Protestant. I loved all the churches that I grew up in. If you're counting at home, there were five. It was a Methodist. Nazarene, Disciples of Christ, Baptist, and non-denominational Bible church I before just, I became Catholic. I just Catholic. pictured the Olympic logo, but it's you and all of your religions. <laughs> all, the, all the major reform movements, I was a part of them. Uh, I think that I just was, maybe I was naive. I grew up in a small town, so just assumed because all of my friends, they went to some church. They may not have gone well, to that church. Because of our last two stories that we heard. You're just a small town girl. And because of how you played with your toys, you were living in a lonely world. <laughs> yes, I was. I was getting ready to start. But I'm not going to sing that song. We talked about this last week or last time. But it wasn't until I became Catholic that I became very protective and very aware of how we speak about our Protestant brothers and sisters. Mm. Because 
I'm not a fan of demonizing people. I'm not a fan of maybe taking something out of context. I think I'm always, and, and it's a, I'm not always good at it, but I'm aware of it that when people talk about, oh, you know, Protestants this or Protestants that, I'm like, hold up. Don't assume because, and, and I find that I'm even more protective of Protestants than I, than, than when I was one. And I'm equally protective over the Catholic Church, but I'm like, actually, that's actually not what we believe. That's actually not, you know, so I think it's this growth and understanding that I became much more aware of those things that I just don't believe I exist, that I thought existed as a young 20 year old. I mean, I converted when I was 22. So a few years ago, but it was really formative for me. And I'm really grateful that that was my path. I wouldn't change it for any reason. And so I find that I'm equally protective over both because they have both served my faith life so well that I see the fruits of both. And I get very defensive when someone attacks one or the other. Yeah, no, that's really good. And it's one of those, it, the whole thing is like, you know, they'll know that we are Christians by how we love one another and how mm-hmm. often we are not loving one another, even those of uh, people in different denominations of Christianity than us. Um, I do really like that quality. And a lot of converts have that where they're like, hey, stop hating on everyone that I care about. <laughs> like, right. Because it's like most of the families and friends. And, and stop order. making fun of, um, I mean, it's okay to poke fun. Like I love watching the videos too. Like when the pastor, you know, they're talking about like holding the baby or whatever. Like, you know, when when our hands are all praise and worship kind of stuff, like that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. But it's like when we, when we attack theology um, as superior. And instead I'm saying, well, maybe we should just be curious and ask why, why is it that you believe that? And let's have a bigger discussion. But when someone immediately puts one or the other down, I'm like, mm, yeah, like the, we need uh, to take this into the back alley. I'm not like four that. comments a day that I have to delete saying that oh, everything about gosh. Catholicism is the horror of Babylon and I'm going to hell and a heretic. Yes. Like, it's, yep. it's great. I love those. I love having <laughs> to deal with that every single day. So, yeah. well, good. I feel like I know uh, childhood Catherine a little bit more. Uh, we learned we learned a lot about each other in today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that everybody listening enjoyed it. I'll be back in a week. Catherine will be back in a month. See ya! Thank you all for watching and listening today. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you did and you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button wherever you are watching or listening. If you know somebody that would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. Hit that little share button, text it to them, email it to them, or better yet, share it through social media, tag us. We'd love to reshare um, that as well. Let us know what you think of the episode. So uh, we'll be back next week with another great episode for you. We love you. Bye.